listening to How I See It, hosted by Han. You guessed it, that's me. I am here to motivate and inspire you with guests from all different industries and backgrounds. So get ready for personal stories of success, of growth, full of highs and lows, and of course, unapologetic realness. This is How I See It. Hair kind of looks crazy. It's just okay, that one. It's just that one piece. Just fix that one piece. There we yes. go. Yes. Me and my turtleneck. She's giving Steve Jobs. She's like, giving. What is even on me? <laughs> like, like people are probably like this bitch. She's like dirty as fuck. Uh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay. You guys, Brittany's on the podcast today. So we decided we had a conversation recently where I was just like, "Europe, our episode together was so good that I want you to come on more frequently when I do solo episodes or don't want to be solo." So Brittany's officially a part of the How I See It Pod fam because she's going to be coming on regularly. You guys are stuck with me. I thought we could just shoot the shit. Um, give people what they want, which is our authentic, unedited opinions about things. Or what they think they want. <laughs> or what they think they want. Okay, we're going to kick it off with an affirmation, which is, this is the one I posted today on my story. I don't know if you saw it, but I'm grounded, centered, and stable. I take each day at a time in faith. Powerful. It's powerful, but also makes me sound a little bit mentally unstable, which... <laughs> <laughs> which jury's out no just kidding jury's out no, no no I think it's a good reminder because me and you constantly like go to this affirmation which is essentially just to try your best to stay centered in the moment which is the hardest thing to do yeah it's about staying present I think that and we talk about this concept a lot and we talked about it a lot in our first episode where it's just kind of like we're constantly like pre-gaming for the future or spending so much time yeah. in our heads in the past and we completely miss the present moment. And that's where like peace and happiness and all those things we're all striving for actually exist is right now in this moment. So it's about yeah. that. You can almost feel like stable in some aspects of your life, quote unquote, stable. Like we're stable. We're, st- we're a decent amount of stable. <laughs> we're like looking at each other like, oh God. No, but like, I think sometimes it switches, right? Like sometimes I feel like really good in my work life and then other parts of my life don't feel great. Or like sometimes I feel stable in the dating side and then I feel horrible at work. Like I just feel like this affirmation is great because you're always going to struggle in that in-between. I think it's what we always say. It's human. It's very rare. And I said this to you the other day. It's very rare that you're going to have a moment where every single pillar of your life is all going great or it's all going okay or it's all going bad. And I think there's a little bit of a negativity bias that happens where you tend to like focus on the negative thing. And you're missing the fact that like the four other parts of your life are going well. And I think life can be broken out typically into like love, family, friends, career, health, all that stuff. And I think there is, it's kind of like how there's like a negative feedback bias. Like people are more apt to like give negative feedback. You're more apt to give attention to like the couple things in your life that aren't going well. And you miss all the things that are just like going perfectly fine. I was literally just telling you on the phone before this, like I was beating myself up today about not even what I was having anxiety about, but for even having anxiety. Like, I'm like, why can't I just be 
cool, like in this moment for a second. And I think it's obviously easier said than done, but it's exactly what you said. Like we get wrapped up in these little things and let it spiral us in all different directions based on our insecurity, whatever we don't feel stable in in the moment. And I think sitting and affirming the affirmation we just said, like I'm confident and stable in this moment. And like my life is unfolding exactly how it needs to. Yeah, triggers happen everywhere. But I feel like anxiety has no rhyme or reason. Miss anxiety is the most chaotic. I literally will wake up and have the anxiety levels of someone being hunted for sport as I'm like laying in bed (laughs) waking up. And like I have to literally – and this is a good exercise if anyone ever has – struggled with anxiety you push a hand over your heart and a hand over your stomach which are like anxiety centers and it's supposed to like create a sensation I think from the womb or something that like calms your (laughs) nervous (laughs) we're gonna move past that but um, that calms your nervous system and I just like have to literally wake up sometimes and repeat to myself like you are safe and you are loved you are safe and you are loved and for no reason and it's so easy to be like And I've been frustrated, like, recently just being like, why are you – like, nothing's wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. nothing's wrong. Like, take zoom out. Take a look at your life. Like, what are you really freaking out about? I think also it's this, like, not being able to accept that we're never going to be 100% satisfied. Mm -hmm. Like, I almost feel like sometimes I'm kind of a brat. Like – I'm having anxiety about like something that's on its way to me. You know what I mean? Like, why am I so upset and like on the verge of tears about something that I'm like working hard for and that I know is on its way to me. And I'm just like being a brat about the fact that it's not here yet. It's not happening exactly the way I think it's supposed to. Like, who am I to control the way my life unfolds? So I think I always have to give myself that reality check. But it's so much, again, it's just so hard. You have We have to pull out the toolbox of like breath work, okay. affirmations, all of this stuff. And I love what you said to me last night because I literally called Brittany last night in an anxiety spiral, just like let it out. Yeah. So I think that like, and I've seen this happen a lot with myself. I've struggled with anxiety for the majority of my life now. And I think that over time you come to learn how it manifests in your life. And you can be anxious about, I don't know, a meeting tomorrow at work, for example. But when you're riding that spiral, all of a sudden, like if historically you're always anxious about like love and relationships, all of a sudden your anxiety will like go back into muscle memory and make you think that you're anxious about all the things you used to be anxious over. And it creates this snowball effect of just like, Anxiety for sure has muscle memory and it just kind of like if you're anxious about A, but you're usually anxious about B, it'll just reroute there and continue that spiral if you don't stop it. Totally. Because for me last night, I was like having to be in like an environment that I'm not comfortable with. I was, I'm kind of get a touch of social anxiety. I don't know if I've ever talked about that on the podcast. I do get a touch of social anxiety sometimes. And so like, I just wasn't where I wanted to be. And instead of just like being like, okay, like I don't feel comfortable. I need to just remove myself and go home. And maybe this just isn't the vibe tonight. I immediately just start thinking about work. Cause that's like my spiral of thinking I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. Or I'm not like where I want to be. And I, you literally told me that when you're like, you're doing this. And I was like, you're right. And I think this all goes back to like this healing journey that we talk about, which is like, you have to be able to like grab like your problem by the horns and be like, I know what's happening and I'm not just going to address it. I need to actively 
initiate tools that I know work to get out of this spiral. Because like you said, Miss Anxiety does not give grace to anyone. And if you give into that spiral, you're going to be toilet bowling for a while. Yeah, she'll run with it. She will rear She her is a head. conniving bitch. She, <laughs> she's a bitch. And she she's will literally be like, oh, you're going to ride this? Like, I'll take you all the way there. I'll take you down every single pillar <laughs> of your life. And we'll run it down and back. Next thing you know, I'm like calling you like when I was seven years old. <laughs> I literally like love you to death. But toward the end of that anxiety spiral, I was like, you're really reaching. <laughs> you're you're were reaching. Like, you were like half asleep in bed. And I was just like talking about something and you were like, I'm not sure this is applicable anymore. <laughs> I literally had surfed for like five hours. I was like, nobody speak to me. I'm not well. And she was like, calls me and she's like crying. And she's like, I have to talk to you. And by the end of it, I was like, this isn't even making sense. This is not tracking. I was with you for a bit and you lost me. In all seriousness, we just informed the people on how I'm doing, (laughs) which is honestly, I'm good. We all have our moments. I haven't had a moment in a while, which I'm proud of, but I needed to like vent last night because I need to get better at like actually like crying and addressing my feelings and being able to just sit in it for a second. So I'm glad I did that with you last night, but how are you doing? What's new in your life? Tell the people. Oh, I'm good. Honestly, like I think that my anxiety to what happens with you is always about like love and relationships. And I think it's because that's historically what it always has been. And for like four and a half years of my life, I was in a really unhealthy, toxic relationship. And so I think, and that's when my anxiety was like peak crazy bitch. And I think that since that point, I either have been so closed off that it just wasn't even something that I would allow my emotions flow to, or like so anxious that I was going to be alone forever. And I think, like, I've been doing really good about it, but, like, sometimes I have that moment where, like, I'm really anxious and I'm, like, oh, my God, like, I'm almost 30, like, I'm so alone, like, whatever else. But then zooming out and it's, like, I am, like, kind of pseudo-dating. Like, I have been hooking up with someone. I just had a successful summer fling that – is fading Tell out. the people. That I is- was just going to say, you guys, she's actually been doing really well with this. She's not giving herself enough credit. She found a Latin lover this I summer. Did. That's what we should call him. We'll call I him have, Latin lover. I have been calling him that. <laughs> I found a Latin lover for summer. Wow. And it was just like the perfect summer fling. It wasn't – I still kept my boundaries, which like – the poor guy like literally begged me multiple times to like sleep over and I just was like absolutely refused. It's like no like, babe. No. <laughs> like you, I am I am so sorry. I have absolutely no desire to wake up next to you. Yeah, because and we talk about this all the time, but like it's a it's a matter of like being able to push yourself out of your comfort zone and do things that you maybe wouldn't do before, which is like having this fling. Like this is not something Brittany usually does. Oh yes, someone like me. <laughs> But like holding to a boundary of like, but it feels too intimate to stay over at someone's house that I'm not dating. So I'm going to like yeah. remove myself. And I just feel like I'm so proud of you. You did so good in this little Latin lover fling. Thank and you we so love much. him. We love him. But- he's, he's like, <laughs> guys, the bar is, the bar is really low, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, this is, the bar is low. So no one judge me, but like, 
he's like 32 he's like very transient which is why it was like a perfect summer fling like he was living yeah. in mexico surfing for six months and now he's like living here and surfing he's gonna go live in hawaii <laughs> and surf and like indonesia and surf and i'm like okay perfect like i'll hang out with you while you're here everyone's um, like why aren't you dating this man <laughs> uh, it's just not there we, we won't get into that part. Oh, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're not gonna get into that um god forbid he listens to this but i know he won't. It's just, he doesn't care about me like that. I don't care about him like that. Like, he's not going to, like, go and be like, I wonder what she has to say. <laughs> like, he literally is like, I may check out a couple minutes of this. Zooms up to, like, 11 minutes, 50 seconds, and it's him. <laughs> and it's, it's like, Brittany has a Latin lover. Um, but I was, I texted Hannah the next morning after, like, I got back from his place. I didn't sleep there again. Um, <laughs> but we were debriefing the next morning, and I was like, it's just so nice to date, like, a man he's like so considerate like before we were hooking up he brought a fan into the room because like he knew it was gonna get so hot and I was like that was so nice I literally had the like text messages screenshot because I thought it was so funny you literally go quote he was so thoughtful We could go on a whole rant about why this is even a thing. Like, this isn't you being, like, having low expectations. This is just how bad the caliber of men are right now. No offense to you if you're a man listening to this, but I will say that it seems as though the general consensus is that men are not being chivalrous and they are not being gentlemen and bringing a fan into the room when you are hooking up them is a act of thoughtfulness. At first I was like, why the fuck is he doing this right now? And then like mid hookup, I was like, thank fucking God for this fan. When it was over, I literally crawled on my hands and knees like over to the fan. <laughs> I was like, get away from me. I need to be with the fan. Goodbye. Like, my ch- oh my gosh. I love that though. And I'm really like, I know a lot of people don't know like you deeply yet. They will. (laughs) But I think this was the big, big breakthrough for you because you've always been so zero to hundred about dating. And I think this, this gave you a chance to relax a little and just be like, I'm calm. I'm stable. Back to the affirmation. I have faith that like my dating life is unfolding the way it's supposed to, because I feel like we talk about it all the time. Like the, the scarcity mindset is not great with work, but also with dating. Yeah, and I had no reason to think like, oh my god, I'm never gonna fall in love. Like, meanwhile, I'm like seeing someone <laughs> regularly. Like, I, like it's not. You gotta zoom out a bit, but yeah, it was really, it's really unusual for me to have any sort of like non-emotional flings. I've only done it one other time in my life, and I fucking hated it. Yeah. And I just needed to prove to myself that I could do it and be vulnerable in that way, and that it was gonna be okay. I think I've had intimacy anxiety issues that kind of stemmed from just like taking a really long like any sort of dating or interaction with men break after my last relationship because I just needed to refine myself without any men in the picture so I went such a long time without having sex literally so long and then I just like developed these serious like anxieties around physical intimacy and so I just had to like show myself that I could do it and you guys best thing ever it's slowly fizzling out and I don't even have to like say anything (laughs) do anything he can just sit on the back burner now and I don't even have to like I can call him up when I need to like 
now I see like why everyone does this. And ideally, obviously, like it's fizzling out because I am looking for like love. Like everyone's looking for love. Yeah. But like, wow. Like I'm proud of you. And I really appreciate you getting vulnerable because I think a lot of people are going to like resonate with what you're saying. Because I do think as Jay Shetty talked about in our book club book about like solitude and how necessary it is for being in a relationship like you can't be in a successful relationship if you don't know how to be in a successful relationship with yourself but people don't talk about like how hard it is when you like know deep and within that you are ready for a relationship people don't talk about how hard it is to lean back into it like intimacy wise whether it's getting vulnerable whether it's hooking up with someone whether like it's hard it was so hard for me and like the first person I hooked up with again, like after that hiatus, like I was so grateful that that experience was so positive. Like the, like the actual sex aspect of it was so like positive and like yeah. easy and felt natural and normal. But yeah, it was like a really long hiatus and then getting back into it and any, getting back into any sort of vulnerability was like really hard. Yeah. But, Cause well, even if you're not like hooking up with people going on a date is like so fucking hard and vulnerable if you haven't done it in a really long time I literally I had to go back to therapy in order to get myself (laughs) to go on the first date I went on after this and like he did not live in New York so like I knew way too far in advance that I was going to be going on this date like typically you have like oh you meet someone on an app or like out and like you make a plan for like next week I had like three weeks in between finding out that I was going to go out on a date with this guy when he was back in town and like then going on it. And like, I was not eating. I was not sleeping. I was waking up at two o'clock in the morning and throwing up like genuinely not fucking well. Like, so like, I was like the idea of being intimate or like vulnerable in that way was just like, so scary to me. And I literally had to go back into therapy in order to get myself to go on that date. Yeah. And I think this plays into two, like doing the work one, like we talk so much about the healing journey. And again, this is another promo for our last episode. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It's great. But I think this also goes to like taking risks and like taking risks again, like being burned in the past, not being burned in the past, but being scared to be vulnerable. Like people are scared to take risks sometimes, especially when there's a lot on the line. And you know that better than anyone, not just because of your past with intimacy but because of the huge move you made from fucking new york to san diego like that's a huge risk risk is scary my risk tolerance in the last year has like exponentially increased and i think that it is brought like a zest back into life i think that the comfort zone is so safe and it's comfortable and whatever else but like that's not where life and like true living happens and mm-hmm. i think the whole last year was filled with a lot of risks i left my very comfortable job that I had for seven years, which I, my very first job I had for seven years. And I hope that shows how like adverse to change and risk I was really low risk tolerance. And I was like, finally got up fed up with my own bullshit and was like, God, like this isn't life and this isn't living. Like I could be doing so much more experiencing so much more and like having so many more like ex- different experiences that diversify my life right now. Yeah. And I think I was also like nearing the end of my twenties and I was like, what am I doing? Like, let's reevaluate. I was like, let's start being a little ballsy and like putting ourselves out there And worst case scenario. If it, all the things that have never worked out for me before 
ultimately we're okay. Like you deal with yeah. it and you're fine and you're okay. So I got a new when job. I think, when I think it's also like before you continue, like I think it's about like not settling for like the minimum. Yeah. And I feel like that's like a theme through everything we're talking about, like dating, mm-hmm. like work on yourself, but also like you're in this lifestyle. Of course, it's great. You have this great job. You live in this amazing city, fucking New York, but like you knew deep down, like there was more. And I think like people are scared because they're in this comfort zone to strive and try to risk for more when their life could be exponentially greater in all aspects. Yeah. And I think that if you're committed to growth, which Hannah always makes this no, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably committed to your growth as a human being. You're supposed to outgrow these things. You're supposed mm-hmm. to outgrow these environments. New York was amazing. I think everyone should live there if they ever get the chance. But I outgrew New York because I outgrew a lot of traumas and things like that and like maturity things that were just keeping me so into New York. It was so much like excitement and distraction and partying and drinking. And then when I actually started to heal, I realized that I just wanted like peace and good sleep and solitude and people around me who I could hang out with and bond with that didn't have to be about drugs or alcohol. And I think that when you realize that you are growing and you have outgrown, and this goes for anything, where you're living, who you're spending your time with, your relationships, your job, when you realize that it is no longer aligned to who you are, you have no option but to to take that risk. I feel like that's where a lot of anxiety can stir in people too. It's like when you start like, and I've talked about it on the past couple episodes, like violating your conscience. Like when you start like violating like who you are and who you're growing into and you're like not in alignment with like who you are at a soul level and like the things you want and you're continuing to submit to maybe like a lifestyle or a person or whatever that doesn't align with you anymore, like anxiety will start to spew. I think yeah. there's lots of like points and cores that anxiety kind of like miss anxiety goes after. And like, I think that's one. And I think that like you staying in New York, you would have gotten so stir crazy and anxious if you didn't leave because I you was were already- ready. I was already getting anxious. And I think that anxiety in some ways is like a survival mechanism and anxiety in a lot of ways is your your body telling you that something's not right. And I think that the idea of starting all over completely fresh, completely across the country from all my friends and family, that the idea of staying stagnant in New York was so much scarier than the idea of starting Mm -hmm. over and taking that risk, which is why I ultimately did it. But I think that that comes to anything that is good in life is going to require you to take a little bit of a risk, like that new job opportunity that's going to give you that new title, like love. We were talking about this the other day where I said to you, you know, you have to decide whether or not the person that you have interest in is worth the risk that it's going to take to like continue to pursue something. I think that like, and I said this to you, like I never am one for second chances, but I gave someone a second chance under really like not great circumstances because I felt like that person was worth the added risk of a second shot. And you just have to like evaluate that way across your whole life like whether or not the risk is actually worth it you have to risk it to get the biscuit always to me and I said this on a past episode like to me like regret is scarier than failure 100% and if something fails like there are tons of things that are going to fail right like 
whether it's like a pivot in your job or a relationship or whatever it is. But like, at least you know that like, you don't have that like idea or regret. Like, what if I tried that? What if I didn't? What if I didn't move? What if I did? Cause like you could have moved out here and hated it and you could have just moved back, but at least you couldn't, you wouldn't have regretted testing it out. And then it worked in your favor. You ended up moving and loving it. Yeah. I actually say that a lot to my friends who have like are back in New York and like ask me how San Diego is going and ask me about the move. A lot of them know for sure they're going to end up either in New York long time or the Northeast generally. And what I say to all of them, because they all are living with like significant others, is that if you know for a fact that you want to end up in the Northeast or in New York, don't you want to be able to say that at least for like a year or two that you got out or that you tried something new so that if you ultimately settle where you spent your whole life, that you aren't left wondering what it would be like living somewhere else? Especially if you have like a drive and pull to do it. I think like for for me, like I've never lived in New York. I love it dearly, but like I kind of know that I want to be here forever, but I don't feel like this pull to New York. Like, I don't feel in my soul, like, I need to try this. And I feel like when we became friends and you were still deciding on this move, there was, like, a genuine pull to be here. You visited me, like, seven times in one year before you moved because you were just so pulled to it. I knew. I mean, I knew when I was, like, since I was 11 years old. It's so funny. I actually connected with one of my old neighbors um, a while ago, like, right before I left. And she was, like, wow. Like, I can't believe you're doing it. She was, like, I remember you being 10 years old, being watching Mary Kate and Ashley's, like, fashion TV show and being, like, oh, I'm going to do New York and then I'm going to go to California. Like, I've always had a clear picture. And that doesn't make it easier to make a jump like that. And it was actually really hard for me for a while. But – nothing that's worth having comes without a little bit of risk, a little bit of hard, like nothing easy was ever worth having in my opinion, seriously. And I think the risk, the hard work, the minor setbacks that it might cause you to course correct and pivot, they're all worth it in the end. It's like a slingshot being pulled backwards to then catapult you forward. Yeah. And I think a lot of times like the risk and anxiety or fear associated with taking a risk or being vulnerable is not actually that real. And it's like, it's more like an insecurity or a trigger because for me, like a lot of the risks I've been taking recently are with like my feelings or with like being vulnerable or with like making like a pivot, like career move. And like the things that really hold me back and get me are like, when I actually evaluate, I'm like, those aren't even like reasons enough not to take the risk. You know, it's a lot in our head and a lot in, you know, the trauma, maybe past trauma that's associated with taking some of those risks. But I've always said, and you say it too, and we talk about it all the time, like, how are you supposed to create like new memories associated with these hard, hurtful risk things if you don't try and do it again? Because then these fears and risks and anxieties or whatever are going to become less and less daunting because you have good memories associated. Yeah. And I always say this to you and I say this generally, I think it's a a lesson that I've learned in life over the last year that's come in really strongly, which is just that in every life decision, you can either make that decision out of love or you can make that decision out of fear. I believe that love and fear are like opposite ends of the same spectrum and you can make a choice that's out of love, the best, wanting the best for you, your life, your hopes, your dreams, or you can make a decision out of fear, which is like super like low vibrational, like keeping yourself stuck 
in yeah. something that might no longer be aligned for you. Yeah. And I think the way I've started um, trying to think about it too, is like, I have like the luxury of being able to like take a risk in that, this situation. Like I always think about it like that. Like there are other people in this world who like don't even have this luxury of like making a choice. Like maybe that's like too big picture, but I do think like when I need to do something or take a risk that feels hard or I'm in kind of like my pity party, I try to be like, no, this is like an opportunity. Like I get to do this. Like there's other people in this world that maybe don't have this opportunity to actually have a choice or do something. And like I do, and I should just fucking do it. Yeah. You're like, yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. Ariana Grande, yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna ask you just open-ended question. There's probably a lot of women, in particular, listening who are maybe scared about the dating stuff. Like maybe they're also feeling a bit out of luck, or maybe they feel like, how am I gonna find my person? Like, what have you been doing to try to counteract that anxiety? Because obviously. Everything that's meant for us is on our way to us, but it's harder said than done. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that earlier this year, like springtime, certain things were falling apart for me. Other things were falling together. And I was plagued constantly by like a mix of anxiety and hopelessness where I genuinely was in a constant state of like fight or flight where I just felt like, I was never going to find someone to love me or never going to find someone to like see my value or see my worth. And like, I got back into the dating scene and did so like really like I was terrified. Like the first date I went on when I got to San Diego went terribly. It was like so weird and awkward. They're like (laughs) very strange stories from that date, but ultimately I think you have to tell the playlist one before you continue. You have to tell it. Okay, so just tell it. I so go this is on the this first date. First date that I've been on in San Diego, like when I move. I'm trying to make an effort to date and like get out there. I go on this date. I don't, first of all, this guy has like no photos on, like his Instagram is all of him surfing and that's a good start and all, but like I had no other context yeah. and I knew he was from Greece. That's it. <laughs> that's it. I know we like literally didn't talk beforehand. So I was so anxious. So I'm like taking CBD. I take a shot before I leave. Like <laughs> I go, I'm like sitting in the car parked outside of his apartment, like deep breathing, like three deep grounding breaths. I meet up with them. Things are like so normal. Like it's completely fine. We're having normal conversation, whatever. We got, <laughs> and this is a two part date, you guys. So now this is like multiple hours. We watched sunset and like have a couple drinks on the beach, super cute. And then we were going to go to the farmer's market and it's um, a night farmer's market. So it's a lot of like food vendors. You can walk around. It's like a cute date night idea. We're in the car and he's like, this was, (laughs) we're in the car going there. And he's like, you play me your music. Like play me your music. I want to hear what you listen to. And I'm like, okay, cool. So like I play my music. We get in the car to go back. And I'm like, he mentions how he only moved here like a couple months before I did. And I was like, oh my God, wow. Like you didn't even use maps. Like that's so impressive. Like, you know, your way around. He was like, well, like I test ran, like I test drove this route a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to use so maps. And like, obviously the, the intention is so sweet that he like practiced this date, but the fact that he admitted it to you. Okay, here's the thing, though, and, like, this is how you know, like, when someone's for you or someone's not for you. If, like, this had been someone I was into, 
I would have been like, oh my God, that is so sweet. Bravo, you cared so much, but I wasn't into him. So I was like, you're insecure. And well, it's just weird. It's a little weird. Like to be like, I test ran the date before I took you. It's like very performative. So that I weird. didn't have to go on maps also is your male ego that fragile? Like, what? yeah. Like is, do, do they think that using Google maps or like Apple maps is a uh, ick? Like, I don't understand. Like, why did he just like want to show off his like navigation skills? Like, why don't we show off your vulnerability? I was like, okay, word. So then we're like, I'm like, okay, like you, he was like, okay, like you played your music on the way here. So like, I'm going to play my music on the way back. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> he has one of those, like, he has like a really old truck. So like, it's when you, you put, you like buy a separate stereo that's like high quality yeah. and you put it in like the old school ones. And he starts playing his music. I like am cringing so hard I can barely be safe. <laughs> he starts playing his music and literally like across the LED screen it says like Brit Date. And it was like the <laughs> name of the playlist and he had like planned all of this. Like planned asking me to play my oh, music God. on the way there so he could say he was gonna like it was just like it was just a lot. A lot. It's so, I feel like there's going to be like one hater that's like, these girls are bitches. Like, that's so nice. Okay. No, it's a little weird. Like, he has a playlist. Was, yo, this man was a stranger. Like, this isn't someone who I like texted for, with weeks before, like the date. Like, we very literally said like, hey, do you want to go out? I said, yes. He said, cool, this time and date. That was it. So like, also... I do not have my Instagram. I'm not on dating apps anymore, but for a hot second I was. And I do not hook up my Instagram because I don't do that. Yeah. And he found my Instagram, didn't follow me, and was, like, stalking me for, like, weeks before we went on – like, the whole week before we went on this date. Like, I'm confused. It's so strange. It's, like – it's slight – it's almost like he was so overly anxious that he ended up just, like, fucking up the entire date by being weird. He did. Sweet, sweet. Man. Sweet, sweet man. Sweet man. Needless to say, I never saw him again. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted your story to make you tell a story. But so you went on your first date. It was yeah. not hor- it wasn't horrible, no, but it was it weird. Horrible. It was just like a little strange and like very clearly not the vibe. And I just think that if you're trying to get back out there and dating, my biggest advice is literally just to do it because the more you do it, the more you realize that it's really not a big deal. Like it's not. And like the first date is not, there's no pressure. You're literally meeting up with someone who you probably barely know as an opportunity to get to know them, to see if you want to continue. And I think that one of the most important things that I think I heard on another podcast honestly, like I can't remember, maybe like call her daddy. I don't know. And it was like (laughs) saying something like, it literally doesn't matter if they like you. So you don't have to be nervous and worried about like if you're selling yourself correctly or you're seeming a certain way or you're seeming chill girl or whatever. Like it's literally about if you like them. Establish yeah. that first and then like nothing else matters. And very worst case scenario, you had like a semi-okay time with a cool person who you got to know a little bit and it just wasn't the vibe. Yeah, and I think on top of that, like if you're trying to like – impress someone or come off a certain way one you're just going to come off inauthentic and that's unattractive two like 
they're not going to know you. So like, even if they do happen to like be attracted to this weird performative version of you, like that's not who you are. So it's just going to inevitably not really work out. Think about it. Like, why do you care if a stranger like has a certain image of you? Like you just want them to have the image of you of just you so that like you guys can decide if there's a mutual vibe. Like I think that I placed and people generally who are, get scared to date place a lot of importance on these like first date interactions and you come to realize that they literally don't mean anything at all like they mean nothing I think that you really like helped me point that out to me because and like I think that's just something we've both been working through because I have such a hard time with first dates too and it's like not necessarily because I don't know it's not like a big deal like why I'm scared I think it just feels like a lot of effort and I like am freaked out that it's just going to be like this awkward situation that I can't escape and I think it all is true like what you're saying like it just is like kind of like you need to keep doing it and like stay consistent because like well the first bad one is not going to be how the rest of them go because like I remember that first date I told you about that I went on with that guy with the dog Yes. The dog. Yeah. Yes. Like so strange. It wasn't a bad date. It was just like weird energy. Like he's wearing like a neon tank top and Oakley's with his like German shepherd. Like you can just picture that. It was weird. It was a weird vibe. But then I went on another date recently and it went really, really well. And the guy was super cool. And like, we had a great time. So I think it's just like, after that first date, I was like, Oh, I don't want to go on another one. But then if I wouldn't have gone on the like other one, like, like a month ago now, then I would still have this bad image of what like first dates could be like. And I just took another risk. And now I have like another variable to consider and another like option for a way a date can go because I took a chance and went on another one. Yeah. And I would just say also that like, if you were looking for like actual concrete tips, like I would say like literally CBD before dates, like calms you right down. You're not nervous. And then you can like, it frees you up more to just be more you on the date Pick somewhere you're comfortable with, like a comfort zone for you, or if like he's picking the place, like try to make it so that it's at least an activity that you feel comfortable with. Like the beach is my safe space. So like that very first date that I went back on, like was at the beach. And so I felt, and it was a beach I was comfortable with. So like I felt more comfy, like in my comfort zone, like doing something uncomfortable, but at least in a space that felt familiar. Like in your element. Yeah, in my element. And then my last piece of advice I think is to just really like remove importance from it. Like you meet people all the time. You meet like baristas and like Uber drivers and whatever all the time. And like, you don't care, like you're not worried about if they like you or not, like focus on getting to know that person to see if there's even something that you are interested in pursuing more there. Yeah. And I think that if you're trying to get over the anxiety of like, am I going to find my person? I think you just have to remember like what I told you on the phone that day. Like we're never, you're never going to be where you are now. Like you're never going to have these like solitude moments again. Like you're going to get married and you're going to find someone like in most cases you are going to find someone and you're going to be with someone eventually. And so like, these are the moments that in like 15 years into your marriage, you're going to be like, fuck me. I wish I was like alone right now and I could call my best friend. And like, we stay on the phone till like 1130 at night sometimes, like even past that, like, would I be able to do that if I had a boyfriend? No, most likely not. I wouldn't yeah. be doing that. I think that, and you remind me of this constantly, which I'm so appreciative about, but the 
days in your life, the months in your life that you have, especially when you're in your 20s and like early 30s, that you have to purely be alone and like not have to think about another person. You can just go take a long weekend trip. You don't got to have to run it by anyone. You can go anywhere, do anything, and you don't have to consider another person's feelings. Like these are your days to be selfish because those days are numbered. And so like, enjoy it while you have it because eventually, and I, at least for me, like the next person that I'm with, I'm not, I'm not doing any more like summer flings. Like the next person I'm with, I really want to be with. And so it's going to be very selective process to get there, but I am enjoying this solitude now. And I think that it's allowed me to release control and anxiety over when this person's coming, where they're coming. And honestly, I believe deeply in manifestation. I think it's how I've gotten to the place that I am in my life, truly just aligning with the energy of what you're looking for and not holding on to things so deeply. And I feel like me letting go and just blindly trusting that the universe will bring my person to me and that what I'm seeking right now is also seeking me right now. And that person who will be my future boyfriend, future husband, that person's already mine. So I don't yeah. even worry about when it is that they're going to find me. They'll find me when the time is right. Yeah. And I think agreed 110%. Also like we've all experienced like being at a bar and like seeing the girl that walks in who you just know is desperate looking for her husband. And like, don't get me wrong. Like I want to be with someone. Like I do. We talk about it all the time. Like how we've moved from a place of not wanting to be with someone to now in this healing journey, wanting to be with someone. Oh, someone's calling me. Hold on. Nathaniel. Oh, my brother keeps calling me, you guys, nonstop. If you saw my stories, Nathaniel, my brother with Down syndrome, got a phone and he literally calls me five times a day. But anyway, but like we have, we have had many conversations. I think we even touched in it in our last episode about how we've moved from this place of like wanting so badly to push people away to now being in this space where we really want that connection and we really want that person. But there's a way to like want something and also be okay in yourself in solitude and like wait for the timing to be right and for things to align up and for the right people to come into your life versus like going into a bar on like a fucking hunt and being like so desperate that it puts off this desperate energy that's like not attracting like the right people and not attracting like the person that you're going to want. Because like in most cases, like especially as a woman, you're not going to want someone who's like desperate and who's like okay with being with anyone. So like, why would you put that energy back? A hundred percent. And I think that's something you said there is really important. I actually wanted to touch on it earlier, but we were on a roll. And I think that relationships or like your person will find you exactly when the time is right. Not when you want it to, but when the universe decides that it is the right time for you and also the right time in your healing. I believe very much so that you can meet the right person and it could be the wrong time. And so that it, and it's still the right person, but because it's the wrong time for whatever reason, it's not going to work. Like you have to have the right person at the right time. And I think that And we've talked about this. Hannah and I are reading a book for book club that's called How to Do the Work. And one of the things that's talked about in there is just kind of like the readiness. And that's what we talked about in our book club meeting. But I think that like for a long time, like I thought that I was ready and like 
it wasn't until I got into romantic situations where I realized like how much work, like I still definitely needed to do like on my own and then Mm -hmm. took a break, like got back into the situation literally with the same person. And then I was like, Oh shit, I thought I was ready again, but I still have all these self-worth issues. Like it kind of takes like getting involved in interpersonal relationships for you to like see all those areas that you still maybe have to do work on. So like, don't be in a rush and like use this solitude as an opportunity to turn inward and make sure that you're actually in a healthy place to arrive at the relationship when it's the right time, whole healed and ready to really like do the work that relationships require. Yeah. And we always say like the work never stops. So like you're going to trial and error and like meet someone and then meet a different person, or maybe you'll go back to that other person and you're just going to continuously be like checking yourself. You have to have that awareness. Right. And that's like a whole fucking other, go back to our other episode. We talk about awareness, (laughs) but like, I think pulling it back to risk, I think this is like another side of risk that a lot of people don't talk about. Like you have to risk like knowing that like there's a plan god has a plan for you and like a risk that like maybe you have to give up someone who's not right for you at that moment and if they are like it's gonna come back to you and i know that's easier said than done like we always tell our friends in a breakup like if it's meant to be it will happen but that's the truth that's and like you have to and you have to be able to take that risk that's right for you to see if that person is right for you because if you give someone up like as your quote unquote risk, like they're not gone forever. They're meant to be, they'll it'll come back. And so I think just having faith that the plan is unfolding exactly how it's supposed to, having faith in your choice and being able to take risks that maybe make you feel uncomfortable, whether it's with your job, whether it's with relationships, whether it's giving up a relationship, because what's our affirmation? We are stable and have faith in the way our life is unfolding. Yeah, exactly. I think that you don't have to hold on to things so tightly. If they yeah. are truly meant for you, you can let them go. And when the time is right, they will come back into your life. And I think that that's, again, to bring it back to risk. Like, I think that if you hold on to that and you stay really grounded in that and you maintain the faith in that, it will increase your risk tolerance so that you can navigate all these weird things like letting go or making moves or pivoting or whatever else and just understand that no matter what it's gonna be right and this goes back to our our old episode but like there are no wrong timings no wrong people no wrong places no wrong pivots no wrong endings it's all exactly right yeah because I think a lot of times as like humans we just over dramatize things and think that like a risk is like like um you can't like boomerang back. I'm like, there's a more articulate way to say that. But like people think that like risks are like their end all be all. And like maybe there are some risks that are more intense and harder. But I think like you can always, there's always a comeback. You can always uno reverse. You and can I think, always uno reverse. You can always uno reverse. And I think that even with your move, like it's such a huge move. It's obviously time consuming, financially consuming. But like you could have gone back. You, your life wouldn't have been over. And like, yeah. you, like there's so many risks or pivots, like even with what I'm doing with like consulting on the side now, like that's a pivot that like, quote unquote, in my head, I keep seeing as a risk, but it's something that I can easily just be like, no, yes, no, yes. Yet I'm like over dramatizing the way it's going to affect this quote unquote risk is going to affect my life. When in reality, like that's kind of built up in my head. I think it's just changed. I think that 
there is like a false perception that you lose control when you start something new. That's so and good. that's actually harnessing control and taking control versus and like living life versus you just like living this mundane path where you're going like yeah. horizontally instead of growing vertically. But yeah, I think that there's this idea that like, oh, if I pivot in my career, I'm losing control because I don't know and it's unfamiliar, but it's really you taking control of your own career path and your own life and things that are going on. And you, as I've reminded you, have all the control in this situation. Totally. Totally. I think that it all goes back to what I was saying earlier that I was frustrated about, which is like you're in the moment and you're like trying to have so much control, hold on so tight to the way your life unfolds, like the exact timeline. And in reality, that just ends up like making you waste time and days not like working towards your goal, whatever that is on just sitting in anxiety about the way life works because no one is the puppet master. And that quote that I read you earlier that I literally found in my notes, you guys, I don't know if it came from me. I don't want to take full credit, but also have no idea where it came from. So I may just take credit, but I wrote the real success is who we become in the process of achieving it. And I think there's so much, there's so much buildup in the end result, whether it's finding your person, having a successful business, whatever, when in reality, like we should be more concerned with our process to get there because that's, what's going to build us and build resilience. In yeah. All of and I think that like, ultimately like the goals of life are to be like happy and at peace. Right. And I think that life is chaotic. It's turbulent. It will always throw you curveballs. The second you feel level, like there will be a bump in the road. And so it's about mastering the art of finding that peace and finding that tranquility in the release in the letting go in the surrendering to the fact that life is unfolding for you always at every point in time, exactly the way it's supposed to, and always for your highest good, even if it doesn't always feel like that. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Mic drop. For sure. For sure. I'm wow, like, it was almost an hour. I know. We talk for days. I mean, we stay on the phone for like three hours at a time. So it's like, this is it's honestly like a thing. Like, I'll probably pee on the phone with you like four times. Oh my God. Bridget posted her wedding photos. Look how gorgeous. Oh my God. Speaking of someone who waited for their right person yes, and like trusted. Because I remember, I don't know if you guys follow Bridget. What's Bridget's last name now? I don't know. But she's this famous influencer. She started The Bar. She lives in New York. And she, like, talks heavily about her journey with finding love and how insecure she was because she was getting older and not finding her person. And she just waited so hardcore in her solitude, continued to put herself out there, and she found fucking Dr. Mike. (laughs) You guys, I'm putting this into the podcast now because I want to be able to say that I was right I'm a I'm big on intuition. I believe that the gut, like the gut speaks to you in a lot of ways. And I think that gut feelings are always just like your soul speaking to you. Big love is right around the corner for me. I can fucking I love that you said that on here. I can't wait to play this clip at your wedding. I'm saying this right now. I'm feeling like fall winter, like I'm feeling it. And honestly embodying that belief that big love is around the corner for me and true rules of manifestation will enable that to happen to amen to that i'm saying it now so that when it happens i can like claim that i'm psychic you know (laughs) 
There's proof. <laughs> she like woke up last night in the middle of the night. Brittany calls me today and she goes, I had this craziest night last night. I woke up in the middle of the night. What did you say? You said something. You said strange I said, thoughts. I was, strange I was, like, I was thoughts. up from 2 to 4.30 thinking really strange thoughts. I was like, really <laughs> strange. Do you think that people listen to us and they're like, oh my God, these girls are so relatable? Or do you think people are listening to us and they're like, she's crazy? Honestly, hopefully both. I want you to be awestruck and terrified of me at all times. You're so right. We need to create a sweatshirt set that says like, stay awestruck and terrified of of me at all times. If you're not slightly terrified of me, like, I'm offended. I'm doing something wrong. Thank you so much for coming on and for for officially, you guys are going to be hearing more Brittany. I just feel like sometimes your girl just like can't hit a solo episode as strong without her partner in crime. So Brittany's going to be coming on more. We're going to be shooting the shit, talking about certain things. So if anyone has a subject they want us to talk on, or maybe we like put up a Q and a next time. Yes. Go through it. That would be dope. And one of these days, I'm going to reveal my Danny DeVito story, but not today. (laughs) We're just going to say that Hannah's act of service and sacrifice that she made that night has enabled her (laughs) to get good luck with parking for the rest of eternity. Yes. I have this like weird theory that when you encounter a like – traumatic or embarrassed like really cringy like sexual or dating involved situation that you get rewarded with parking like good parking and I think my sacrifice has enabled me to get good parking for life (laughs) a true act of service you guys we'll get her to tell us the story eventually I love you all. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow along on Brit's journey, Brittany, what's your username again? I forget. Yo, we don't need to plug my Instagram. I think we should plug it. What if people want to see you in your San Diego surf life? Come along with you for your dating journey. None of my dating journey is on Instagram. I will have to be dating a man like very hardcore for like a year and a half for you to see anything but his fucking hand on my Instagram. Oh yeah. Me and Brittany, me and Brittany have talked a lot about this. If I start dating someone seriously and I'm like in it, I am not going to be posting them for a while. Like I just won't do that again. It's so, it's too much. Get it right. Get it tight. Any part of my dating life you see on my Instagram. If you see a man on there, I'm not fucking around with him emotionally. That's for sure. (laughs) Or you have been for like five years. (laughs) Or all of a sudden it'll come out that I've been dating him for like two years. So yeah, I think after two years, I'll show a hand or a shadow. (laughs) Nothing besides a shadow for two years. Maybe like a shadow, a hand. Maybe you're like, okay, soft, soft launch of my boyfriend. It's just like a shadow on the ground. (laughs) It's like a single strand of hair. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're just dragging, but Brittany's Instagram is at Brit Correa with one T. Please like, comment on all the How I See It pod stuff. And if you haven't given five stars on Spotify and Apple, would really appreciate the love there. It really, really helps. But anyway, thank you for listening. Goodbye.
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope you leave here feeling motivated and inspired. Do not forget to rate and review the pod on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to follow How I See It Pod so you can keep up with podcast updates and see who's coming on next. And if you're not already, come join the fam and follow at How Hand Sees It. Thank you guys.